is the number one commodity in the world that you can't get back once it's gone. Time. So I will keep this brief. I'm Muthita Panmuk, a time efficiency expert and a business operations strategist, who is as known as the Time Queen. Welcome to my Get Unstuck Radio. Running a business can be very overwhelming at times, especially in the first few years when you are required to wear the hats and do other things. You started your company because you had a vision that almost every business owner has when they begin. You wanted freedom, true freedom. So you are in the right place to help you build and grow your business that support your lifestyle. Not the other way around. Without further ado, let's get unstuck. Hi, get unstuck nation. Today, our guest is a little bit special than normal because his background story is very enlightening. So please welcome um, Sunil Gose with me here from. Intuitionology. That's a very yes. unique yes. way of yeah. your, your <laughs> a bit company. Of a Thanks, Mutita. I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, so after making a series of bad decisions with one leading to a friend of him being shot and killed, Sunil spent thousands of hours on research and interview to stop people wasting time on making bad decisions. And this is very important because I always say that the most time-consuming thing in our life is to make decisions, even for myself on daily basis. I spend too much time, I would say struggling, decision what I would eat. <laughs> and wow. it took me hours you know there are too many promotions these days and it's our delivery so i could spend two hours a two good hours just meditation what i'm gonna eat because the more i scroll down the more like fantasy food that i can get like more than pizza indian food for example like and and what i should eat right now that's always yeah. time for me so instead i hire a chef something like that so i have to think <laughs> so welcome to Get Unstuck Radio today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Matita. I'm really uh, hoping to uh, drop some knowledge bombs on this thing called intuition that we think is woo-woo, but it's actually rooted in science. Uh, yeah. I had to find out. And so this thing is a real thing. And I really, I've really found out the way to uh, really tap into intuition. We talk about gut. We talk about uh, you know intuition. But many of us, for not fault of our own, don't know what we're talking about. And I'm going to find out exactly how you should talk about it, exactly how to use it so that every decision you make is the right one in any situation you find yourself in. I'm very excited because the woo-woo thing is always scary me. To be very honest with you, yep. I'm Buddhist by birth and what is the woo-woo thing doing is quite conflict from what I'm growing up with. So yep. hopefully you're not scare me. <laughs> You're going to love this podcast then because you're going to find, because uh, I'm going to root this in actual neuroscience research um, and uh, starting from the new woo-woo thing. And so when we dive into my story, I'll tell you exactly how I started, which is understanding the intuition was kind of woo-woo in general, but it didn't sit right with me. And I, that was the journey in finding out exactly how it is for me. And so hopefully that journey will enlighten others to find their, their own way of defining intuition. Let's get into it. So how can you start the journey? Like, can you... Could you please share with me and my audience going back from the starting point of yeah. this intuition discovery? Yeah, absolutely. So it all started after I wrote my first book. And my first book was called Fail Fast, Succeed Faster. And then the premise of that book is if I interviewed uh, business executives and entrepreneurs 
and you learn from their failures and hurdles, then you should be able to succeed faster if you don't repeat their mistakes. And so when I started talking on stages around the world with about this book, many people in the audience said, Sunil, give me the one thing that's going to help me survive or be successful. And I kind of said, well, listen, I didn't come with a cue card or a PDF sheet. I mean, this is a 400-page book here. There isn't really one thing in business that you can do that's going to be successful until I went to the audio recordings. And when I went back to the audio recordings, 80 to 90% of these people who you thought were rational, statistic-driven, uh, risk-less uh, people were using words like, I knew I shouldn't have made that. I knew what the right decision was. I should have trusted my intuition. I should have trusted my gut. And I was just shocked that there's this thing called intuition that all these people had gotten had ignored that got them into the failures and hurdles that they had. So when I reflected back on the times that intuition kind of hit me, I remember when I was five years old and there were these video games that I wanted to buy. And my dad said they were too expensive. And so at that time, then I remember distinctly this voice telling me, Sunil, go door to door to raise money. And that's exactly what I did. I went door to door and had lots of milk and cookies and I raised $200. $100 went to my dad for the video games and the other $100 went to charity because that was something I felt really good about. Uh, and then I remember the times when uh, I ignored my intuition. Uh, and as a South Asian male, for those seeing on the podcast, you might not be able to see me, but there's really kind of four career doors that were groomed for. It's doctor, lawyer, engineer, and failure. And my intuition was telling me to become an entrepreneur is to go through door number four, because that would have been considered a failure in East Indian's eyes. Uh, but my dad was an engineer. And so I went through door number three, got into engineering, and I hated it. And by year two of that, uh, that career, uh, I ended up becoming a private investor for a uh, Mexican restaurant chain that came up to Canada. And pretty soon I was making five times more in dividends than I was as a full-time engineer. And so in year mm. three, I quit. Uh, I sacrificed my dad's relationship. Uh, he never spoke to me for a while. Uh, but I trusted my intuition to do exactly what I wanted to be it, to do, and that was become an entrepreneur. And I had five or six ventures, a total of about $20 million in revenues before I turned into uh, management consulting. And while, while as a consultant, there was this huge opportunity in Silicon Valley that the, the, how much they were paying me were, was mind-boggling. Yet the contract terms kept changing, and there was something telling me to back away from that contract. But I was so emotionally tied to that, the numbers on that contract that I essentially said, no, 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 you know what, I, I'm gonna go. And what ended up happening is that company didn't pay me. And I spent every single penny going down there. And so when I came back to Canada, I, I was bankrupt, I, I close to bankruptcy, I had nothing in my bank account. And so, uh, and I remember also the, the, the last thing that, that I remember, and you kind of alluded to it at the start was when I was in engineering, uh, I was doing some personal coaching at the time. And one of my friends came up to me and was saying, Sunil, look, uh, she was being stalked at the time. I need some uh, advice. And so I said, well, you know, um, again, something was saying meet with her that afternoon. I didn't have anything planned. But for some reason, I said, let's meet a couple of days later. And what ended up happening is that same person who was stalking her walked up to her in a bus shelter and put a bullet through her head. And she was killed instantly. And so now I really had to figure out, okay, what is this thing called intuition? Because now I had some time, money, effort, and now a very good friend I've lost because of this thing called intuition, which I still don't know what it is. And I struggled with a definition. So at the time I looked online, people were saying uh, voices from God coming from the cosmos. And so for those who define intuition like that, then that's fine. Uh, it's, that's their definition. 
but it didn't really resonate with me. Uh, and I remember thinking of intuition. So how do I think about intuition? So I think, okay, intuition, there was these some things that I thought were, okay, there's, they're kind of like signals. And so I remember one of the, there was an international psychic that I knew in my social media circle, and she talked about signals and intuition. So I said, okay, I'm going to go interview her. And so I took a film crew to, to, uh, to see her and turned on the cameras and I asked her about intuition. And so she, I've gone, she talked about the signals of intuition. And she also said that it was also rooted in uh, quantum physics and energy. And so I really like that. Uh, and so I, when you look at engineering, in my engineering days, if I look at things like steel, for example, steel has a mass-like property and it has an energetic or wave-like property. So I kind of understand sort of that, that energetic property of something, which made sense, but that the mass-like property was kind of like the science or that I needed or the engineering behind that. And what this international psychic was saying is that there was the science just hasn't caught up with us. And I just, well, if, if intuition kind of hit me, and I've got this book now where 80 to 90% of these executives are talking about intuition. Like, how come there's no science? It just doesn't make sense. So I used to think, okay, who else do I know in my circle that can talk about the science part? And I had a neurologist who was a colleague of mine. And I said, okay, I'm going to go talk to him. So I took my film crew, went to his hospital, turned on the cameras. And I just asked him, okay, hey, Dr. Dr. Rathbone, does uh, intuition exist? And he said, it absolutely does. He talked about how the neurons kind of go through the gut and then it short circuits the brain. He also said that we all have a sixth sense. Uh, he has it, uses it with his patients. And he says more and more neuroscience research is coming out showing that intuition is actually much, happens much earlier than we're consciously aware of it. Mm. And so I'm thinking, wow. So now I've got the art, which are these signals. I have the science, which is, and so I, I think my definition for me is whole. And so I was thinking, okay, if Dr. Rathbone is talking about this neuroscience research, let's go figure out where it is. So I go to an academic database. I type in the word intuition, and I'm thinking probably 10, 15 articles. Uh, I hit the enter button, and there were tens of thousands of articles on intuition. It was amazing. And so one of the things that I, I kept thinking was that perhaps we're born with intuitions. So if I heard it at five years old, maybe we're born with it. And so there was this paper where researchers looked at uh, the, the infants as young as two months old, showing that they had intuitive uh, tendencies or what they call intuitive physics in this paper. And so that kind of made sense. Uh, and so one of the other premises is that how come I couldn't find a definition? And I found some neuroscience research that shows that when intuition hits you, it hits you in the limbic system in the amygdala, the primitive part of our brain. That's where the emo emotional regulation is. That's where we kind of feel things are happening. It feels are not quite, it doesn't feel like things, something's wrong or something's right, but there's no capacity for language, which means that that makes sense. If I couldn't find a definition, it's because if it hits the, the, this, the uh, amygdala, I have to have my own definition. So I have my own definition, which is art, art and science. If people think it comes from a voice of God, that's fine with them. If you think it, you think you have your own definition and the people that think it just comes from experience and learning, that's totally fine because that's how they characterize intuition. So now it's, I know now it's incredibly unique in how I describe it and how, and so that's great. And then with Dr. Rathbone showing that, saying that it comes much earlier than we think, there's a paper, a couple of papers that actually showed that intuition hits you on average seven to 10 seconds before we actually make a decision or take action. So it's much earlier than we actually think. And so now I've got the research to back this. So I really need to figure out, okay, I've got the definition. 
how does it actually kind of work? And so one of the things I found is then I went to go interview a thousand more people to see, okay, how does it work for them? And if we look at the signals, the art part, um, a lot of them were triggered by signals. They were very familiar with signals. There are two types of signals. There's positive signals and negative signals. So clearly the positive signals are the ones that are telling you that that's the right decisions to make. So for me, when I'm thinking about making a decision, I'll think somehow the dots will connect. I'll feel this feeling of flow. Uh, and so that no, that's telling me that I'm making the right decision. I had even one CEO. This CEO has headed two multinational companies, multi-million dollar companies with this one positive signal called an omen. So when he's making a decision that's positive, he sees this omen on his right shoulder. There's, there's no color, no shape, but he knows that if he's doing a business deal or he's hiring someone or talking to a vendor and this, this omen pops up behind his right shoulder, he says, yes, I'm, I'm just going to hire you or let's ink this business deal now. As I said, he's had two multi-million dollar businesses now on those type of intuitive signals. Um, and the other, the contrast to that is negative signals. And with negative signals, what you have to be careful with is that negative signals actually start very subtle in nature. Uh, and so we've all been where we've walked into a room or a situation and we kind of go, huh, you know what? Something's off here. And that's your, your, your silent, you know, very, very subtle intuitive signal saying, be careful. And so when you start to ignore those negative signals, they start to get louder and louder and change until you can't no, you can no longer ignore them anymore. So some people that I've interviewed have, have ultimately had car crashes or wanted to take their own life or, um, you know, they, they, they were just, you know, they got, they were homeless. Right. And so that was their ultimate signal before they actually started to trust their intuition and come back uh, from that, that point. And so this is how they were able to reset their life. Um, and, one of the things for me is that I get that sort of uncomfortable feeling in the gut. And in some cases I'll find myself, like I'll look at something or I'll come into a situation and I'll quickly find that my eyebrows cross because something's off. And my, when my eyebrows cross and my focus just uh, like the eyebrows cross and I just focus and my whole periphery is just gone. And so my intuition is kind of saying, pay attention. Um, and so I'm just scanning and I'm, I'm looking, maybe it's a person, maybe it's a room, maybe it's something moving that I'm not expecting to move in the right way. In fact, I saw a car crash because of that. I, I you know, there was something moving. Uh, I saw a peripheral vision of van in this and it wasn't, I knew it was turning and I kept walking and my, in my peripheral vision, it was turning the wrong way from what I expected, which meant that it was going to hit a car. Uh, and so as I'm seeing this thing come, I just start turning and lo and behold, I see it hit the car. Uh, and so those are the kind of cues that I get. And there was one, one entrepreneur I was interviewing and he didn't know what his intuitive signals are. I mean, that's not something that we kind of commonly say, like I say, hey, Mutita, let's go for coffee. Hey, what are your intuitive signals? I mean, that's not typically, you know, that's not typically you say like, there's something weird with this Sunil guy, like, holy moly, right? He's asking intuitive signals, like something's going on with this guy. So anyways, <laughs> so there's this, I'm, I'm interviewing this entrepreneur. And he says, I have no clue, Sunil, what's going on. Uh, but you know what? Let's just keep talking. So as he continues to talk about the businesses that he got into for the wrong reasons, for money or fame or ego, he starts grabbing his left earlobe. And he says, Sunil, I just re realized what my intuitive signal is. Every time I got into those businesses for the wrong reasons, my left earlobe used to pulsate with heat. And he remembers now, and it was, it was doing that as we're talking. And he also says, as I'm talking to my wife about these in the past, I used to remember my earlobe used to pulsate with heat. My wife was saying, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know. It's just really hot. 
So that's how unique our signals can be for each one of us. And so when we look at that uniqueness, not only do we have to pay attention to the uniqueness, but what we also have to do is we have to make sure we do our homework to figure out, especially with the negative ones, what the subtle signals are. So for like, for, let's give it a quick example. So let's say Mutita, you and I agree that we have that gut reaction and that's a negative signal. And let's say you've done your homework and that gut signal for you is signal number one. And then we meet for coffee. And then after you laugh at me for asking you about intuitive signals, um, let's say that I, uh, oh, we're talking about gut signals. I'll say, oh yeah, Mutita, I get that, I get that gut feeling as well. If I make the mistake of thinking that that gut feeling is signal number one for me, and it's actually signal number three, what that means is I've missed signal number one and signal number two. If I've missed those two signals, guess what? I've made two bad decisions. And those two bad decisions could be maybe a stubbed toe, or I could be headed for bankruptcy. I don't know. So this is where we need to pay real attention to what our signal, positive and negative signals are. And so the way that intuition works for most people is that it's like driving a car. So when you drive a car, you push the button to start it or you turn the keys and you hear the engine whir, which are the signals, and then you drive. Uh, not too many people, you don't have to actually have to open up the hood to figure out, you know, what's working for to know it's, it's, it's driving. But I'm, so, I'm, I'm a nerd that way that I want to pop open the hood to figure out, okay, what's under the hood of this thing called intuition? And so what I found after interviewing those, th those thousand people is that it, there's actually four types of intuition that work all at the same time and they communicate through you with these signals. And so the best way I can describe these four types of intuition is by taking, uh, starting with a non-believer. And so when I started intuitionology, the, one of the fellows I knew was a fellow by the name of John Rothschild. And John, he was an investment banker. So when in investment banking, everything in terms of data, experience, learning, that's all that matters when it comes to decisions. So when you're talking about voices from God and coming from the cosmos, this guy is going like, there is something wrong with Sunil, just as much as you're saying the same thing. There's a common pattern here. So, uh, and so he's all saying, Sunil, this is nuts. Uh, but anyways, come on down. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you an hour and I will talk about this, this thing called intuition for about five minutes. And the rest of the time we'll just catch up. I haven't seen you in a while. So I go down, set up the camera, I flip on the camera and I try and convince him that there's this other CEO that's run a couple of multi-million dollar companies seeing omens. And so he goes, oh, yeah, Sunil, uh, I, I'd, like, you know, I'd like to actually shake the hand of that guy who sees omens. Um, yeah, but yeah, intuition just doesn't exist. I'm sorry. Like, it just, it, it just doesn't exist. It, it, you know, when you make decisions, your decisions are actually about experience and it's about learning. That's how you make a decision. And so now we're going to get into the four types of intuition. One of the four types of intuition is called experiential intuition. So if you look at your brain like an iceberg, 90% underwater is your subconscious area of your brain. The 10% above water is the conscious part of your brain. So what happens from birth is that you've got all these experiences around you and research showing five to 6,000 events per day for babies and 28 to 35,000 events as adults. Every single day, your intuition is putting all this information in the subconscious area of your brain, like a library. So your experiences, both good and bad, both formal and informal. Your learning, both formal and informal. Your street smarts, the experiences of others who you notice, 
all that stuff is going into this library. And so when you make a decision and your intuition is signaling to you that you're about to make a decision, it's going to pull information from that library out to inform you of that decision. So when you when you get a signal from intuition, you already have a well-informed decision. So if it's a positive signal, you, it's already telling you, hey, buddy, listen, you already have the raw skills. You already have been through something like this before, or I know you can do it. That's why I'm giving you a positive signal. If it's a negative signal, then it's going to say, hey, listen, Sunil, you've done something like this in the past and it didn't turn out well. So let's not go down that, let's not go down memory lane again here. And so that's why it gives you a negative signal. And so it's well-informed. And as, as I was explaining this to John, I said to John, sometimes your intuition has you go against the data. And he goes, oh my God, Sunil, like I actually have an example of this. And I said, well, tell me. So John was in the process of, he used to put franchise locations in. So anytime you have like a McDonald's, a Burger King, Wendy's, whatever, if there's a franchise location, his team would rate it on a, on a scale of one to 10 benchmarking system. And a nine out of 10 would be where they put a franchise location in. And they look at things like demographics, the development of the area, uh, and um, things like traffic patterns. There was this one crappy place in Toronto, and his team had looked at as a five and a half out of 10. And so now we're getting into the second of the four called situational intuition. John and his partner walk into this dilapidated area of Toronto. And even though it was a five and a half out of 10, he says, you know what? And now he's saying, perhaps it's intuition. I'm not sure. But something is telling me that we should be putting that location here. And they put that location there. Even though his team was pretty mad at him, that ended up being the first of a franchise operation called the Beer Market. It was the most profitable in his portfolio of restaurants. Uh, and so and so he's now getting a little bit about intuition. And at some point, as an investment banker, his purpose changes. He wants to do something else. And instead of being an investment banker, he now wants to run a company. The third of the four is called relational intuition. What relational intuition does is it filters your, your the people that you know to only allow the people on the inside who really care about your purpose, who really care about what you want, who are going to support you in the ups and downs. These aren't exactly yes people, but they will give you constructive criticism, but they are a source of true support for you. So in John's case, when his purpose changed, all the people who were concerned about money, fame, ego, high-end restaurants, security, private jets, limousines, all of them told him, John, you're nuts. Not one of them asked him, why do you want to do this? except his wife. And his wife asked him, John, why do you want to do this? And John looks in her eyes. And now I'm quoting John here. This just feels right. There's his intuitive signal. I've now taken a non-believer from telling me intuition does not exist to giving me an intuitive signal. And so the last of the four is called creative intuition. This is the one that ultimately has you make the decision. So if you're making a decision for most people who are ordering online, except for you, Mutita, you take two hours, <laughs> but most people will take maybe you know 30 seconds or a minute. So most people, when they do that, their creative intuition is pretty low, right? You're washing dishes, you eat, what are you gonna have for lunch? I, again, you're a different category and we'll work on you later. But um, for most people, if you do something mundane like that or you turn left at a signal, your creative intuition is pretty low. But when you're making something, a decision that's really obtuse, 
then your creative intuition is high. So in John's case, you would think for somebody who's looking at uh, running a restaurant, or sorry, running a business, they would pick something that has good ha- healthy cash flows, good revenue stream, uh, and a fantastic balance sheet. His intuition picks this tiny, dinky, almost bankrupt little restaurant. But he did. He, he quit his 3 to $4 million job, started from ground zero, walked into that restaurant. That restaurant was Eastside Mario's location number one. And that ended up being over a thousand locations under different brand names. And in the 20 years after he retired, he turned that into a $2 billion empire. All because it felt it right. right. Wow. That's you the power of intuition. Wow. That's amazing story, Sonia. Like amazing story. Yeah. It makes sense for me. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. Like, yeah, you're a very good storyteller. Like that, that's so making sense. Yeah. <laughs> we still got to figure out what's going on with your lunch there. Uh, but uh, that's a different story. Yeah. It just, <laughs> it just me having too many creative intuition, I believe that like, but you know what? The thing is that I already pre-decide. I always go yeah. back to the first decision every time. But I just yeah, have yeah, the yeah. shining object of like, oh, this also have this thing. This also have this thing. And yeah, like, yeah. actually, I can make decision right away. But I just spend yeah. time wasting time, carry on the shiny object further on, procrastinate. That's the thing. Yeah. So yeah. So it could be either shiny objects and or it could be so like if like if I find myself doing that, sometimes I do that because I want to find a new restaurant. And uh-huh. so what I'll do as what I'll do is sometimes I'll find a new restaurant. I'll make a suggestion to my wife or my kids. What do you think? What about this? What about this? What about this? I mean, most of the time we come back to the same thing because sometimes <laughs> when we try a different restaurant. It, it's and we're into Indian food and some Thai food and stuff like that. They don't just kind of make it right, right? And yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's too much of a restaurant quality. It's not really kind of home quality and so we find that that you know when we take it chances it works out in some cases some cases it doesn't but you know i agree yeah so can we can we go back a little bit from the very first one sure um can you review for me yeah i'm just very into the story so the first one is so there's experiential intuition yeah experiential institution so that is something that already in our brain like pre-judged thing let's say um yeah of course, I experienced it. I explained all of this that you just mentioned. I have done yep. the franchise because it's failed, right? And at the end, it's failed. <laughs> I have to left. Like, I have another feeling that right now is not the right time anymore. Like, this is yep. too much. So, I left. Um, I also understand that there is the pre-signal of when things might go wrong and how I can prevent that from happening. For example, when I drive, um, mm-hmm. I think I think I call it assumption. I'm not sure. Some people call it deja vu, but I feel like the the feeling of fearfulness happening that I'm afraid that I would make some accident. I'm afraid mm-hmm. that I would hit someone or I would got hit by something. Blah blah blah. So instead, I just shift my focus to other thing, and that's not gonna happen. But if I keep thinking that I'm gonna hit someone, I'm definitely gonna hit someone. You know what I mean? This episode is sponsored by Mutita Clothing, like what I'm wearing right here. So if you are a petty sized lady who are looking for high quality apparels as well as a neat cutting and premium pattern, check it out at mutitaclothing.com so that you can be simply elegant by no time. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, and, and so 
this is actually a really good segue into kind of why we ignore intuition. Uh, and so even in your franchise, your failed franchise model, what I would look at if I was coaching you one-on-one is I'd look deeper into, into that. It's just not, you had a failed franchise. What part of it failed? Like, what was it that you weren't prepared for? So some people have an expectation of something that happens on a spreadsheet and then they, they can't, don't realize that you have to run a business. Some people are very creative and not very operational. Some people can't hire. Uh, some people hoard. It's just it's a very complicated process to find out, okay, what aspect of that had you fail? And you're, and even, so let's take a look at the reasons why we ignore intuition because your, your example is really on point. There's a number of reasons of what happens. There's 99% of us are really living in the past. Uh, and by, by, by what I mean is that in the past, we could have had some traumatic event that happened. So somewhere in your past, you've seen a devastating uh, accident or you saw it on a, in a movie and some family member got killed and it really struck you emotionally or you actually were in an accident, whatever the case is, and I'd have to dig deeper to do that. But whatever the case is, you have an emotional imprint that you're not able to get unstuck from. And so you, that fear has come and, and it's, it's impacting your decision. And yes, it's, it's really good to get away from that and you're, you're taking the steps. And what I, I take that usually a little bit step, a step further. I use a lot of hypnotherapy to soothe mm. the fact that, okay, it's okay then. And so you can, you can emotionally get away from that and still appreciate we shouldn't get into accidents, but you're not afraid anymore. And so mm. that's one of the things that we do. The other thing that happens in our past is sometimes we start to listen to the, to the opinions of others who don't really care what our intention is. And so, or they, or they tell us something that really hits us, gives us an opinion that really sticks with us. And it may not be a great opinion, but somehow we define ourselves by that opinion. Um, or in some cases, we, sh- we think we have to show up in a certain way and we put our masks on to be someone that we think should be uh, a projection of who we think we should be, whereas we're somebody else. And so when we're doing that, all of our values are shifting away from who we really are and we're saying that it's okay to live the values through other people. And what happens is then when we talk about living in the present moment, we aren't. We're living in the past. And so it, one, of the, one of the people that I interviewed was a, a fellow by the name of Vin Jang. He's an international magician. He's now moved into communication. And one of the things that he did is that in, he was telling me back in 2016, he was at the top of his career. He was seeing 100,000 people a year. He was on 80 stages uh, all over the world. And he was killing it. He was killing it on the outside. On the inside, he was so empty inside. Uh, and his intuition was telling him, buddy, listen, you got to reset. You got to figure out this thing because things aren't going so well. So he goes to New Zealand where there's no cell phone service, takes a bunch of uh, material with him. And he starts putting up values on the wall. And he's looks at these values and he says, well, wow, this is what my wife wants. This is what my friends want. This is what society wants. This is what my manager wants. This is what money wants. This is what my career wants. Where am I? And so he takes down all those, those values and he puts up the right, the, uh, the values meant for him. And what, one of the striking things he said is that instead of feeling cathartic, feeling, wow, that's great he felt frightened for the first time in his life. He's giving himself permission to live a life on his own terms. And he was, he was frightened. He made the, he, he, he told him, this is how I'm going to live my life. 
comes back from New Zealand and goes back to the same type of life. Back high rise downtown LA, big brands, same type of people around him that meant nothing to him, all ego based. Uh, and six months later, his parents come up from Australia to give him a bit of a lecture. And his mom says, look, there's a saying in Vietnamese that when you hang around squid, you're going to get some ink on you. And he basically said, his, his mother said, you're hanging around a lot of squid. This is not my boy. And so he does the reset all over again. And he finally decides to live out in the suburbs. He finally decides if I want to kill this career, I'm going to kill this career. If I, he gets rid of those friends that didn't mean anything to him anyways in the first place, but he starts living his life. And, but that was six months. And so one of the things, and this is where I tell, talk about wasting time, making a bad decision. One of the things I told Vin in my podcast series with him was that it's not just the six months that you lost not, uh, you know, making those bad decisions. It's also the six months that you lost not making the right decisions. So you've actually lost a full year of your life, my friend. Mm. And if you're in the business of helping 100,000 people a year, how many people did you leave behind? How many people did you not help? And he just said, I've never, ever thought about this, Sunil. I've never thought about it like that. So when you don't take the steps to get your intuitive signals, uh, to find out what your positive and negative signals are, and you can do this today on a piece of paper. I'll, I'll outline it for you. You start wasting not just time, time times two, because you're not making the right decision. And who wants to live a life like that? Who wants to live a life from other people? And people say it's hard. Why is it hard to live a life that you want? It shouldn't be hard. It's hard because we have these, these questions that we ask ourselves. Can I really do it? What are other people going to say? What if I fail? Those are questions you shouldn't be asking when you trust your intuition because your intuition already knows. In the past, you've had the skills to do something. So when I give you a positive signal, you better trust it. Don't doubt me. And too many people are doubting it because of all these other external forces. They're living other people's lives and they're afraid to just live life on their own terms. And one of the things I say is that for me, I'm on a train that's going at a certain speed on a specific track. If you don't like the direction that my life is headed in, get off at the next station. And if you continue to bother me, I'll kick you off myself because it's okay to be for me to be me. It's okay for me to have my own purpose. And this has nothing to do with money, fame, ego, legacy, whatever all these buzzwords are. All I need to do is trust my intuition. All I need to do is teach my two kids about how to live their lives with these intuitive signals. Uh, and every day is a blessing for me because every day I'm doing exactly what I'm doing in life. And too many, too many of us are worrying about regret when we're 65 or 70 or 80. What about the regret today? What about not living your truth in the next five, 10 minutes? What about not doing anything after this podcast? That's regret, yeah. Yeah. right? That's, that's total regret. And that's your fault. Not yeah. you, meaning you, but that's your fault. Yeah. For those who are listening that can't take action, that aren't going to do anything, whatever happens is your fault. Yep. Totally your fault. And that's on you, nobody else. My parents have these three roles and they always taught me like since I was very young. So yeah. I have to make my own decision. 
and then yeah. I have to respect my decision and surrender to the outcome. But if things gone wrong, I can always come back home. So these are the three things that I grow up with. And what you just mentioned about people surrounding you, these are like on my player on the morning every day that like, I'm happy for you. I love you enough to let you go, but I have to go in my own way. It's been a long journey though to discover that like exactly what you say. I think I lost, like I, I went down to the anxiety, depression part, like a good three years, let's say. That's why I struggling hustle between the past and the future. You know, because depression means yeah. that you stuck in the past, but anxiety means that you stuck in the future. So I was like hustling between these two and I couldn't find the present at all for a good yeah. three years. And it's been a journey that many things happening and many things failing because of that, because I made the wrong decision. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah you, you and, make and, sense. It makes sense. And, and, and what happens sometimes when we're on that slippery slope, and we continue mm. to slide down is intuition is always giving you a light or a rope. There's always a lifeline. Uh, we just don't look up. We're yeah. so concentrated on the slope going down and the what ifs and how come and the, and the future past and worrying about the past that when we're looking at the present and we look up to say, okay, where can I go? The intuition is just right there. And unfortunately, many people have to hit rock bottom because the only way they can look is up. And guess what? Your intuition is still there. And so, what I'm trying to do is help people tell people to look up uh, and, and even if they're going down and it's never too late, no matter what situation you're in, it's never too late. Yeah. hundred percent. I think it's about self-love, self-awareness and yeah. not feeling enough like that. These three are like crazily important, very simple. Yeah. But when you feel that you are not enough just yet, these yet things, get you down to the rabbit holes, but not yeah, in the other way around. <laughs> exactly. And then when you say you're not enough, according to whom? Like you're not enough according to what, what yardstick are you using, right? And so if you're saying you're not enough, that means something else is enough. Well, why is something else enough? Mm. If something else is enough, you should be enough. And if you're enough, that other thing is not enough. Or that, that enough is too much. You use yourself as a normal benchmark don't use society or somebody else or what else somebody else said or what your expectations are you should be enough and and when you are enough those people who love you for being just enough are the ones that are, that are going to you're going to surround yourself with and those who think that they need to have an expectation of you those are the ones that you repel and those are exactly the ones i do not want in my life and i've had friends that i've had for six years and they've been really, really close and something in their value set changed so much so that it's, you can, I, I don't want robots around me. And there's some values that are different than mine that obviously I'll embrace and, and tolerate. But that when it's outside of a healthy range that I don't want to surround myself, my family with, then I'll say enough is enough and I'll cut them off. And intuition already gives second chances. So this is not about second chances. This is about me yeah. self-talking myself to give them third and fourth chances. And I know in my life, when I have given third or fourth chances, it's never worked out, never worked out the way I think it's supposed to. This is not a fairy tale what, uh, story here. This is reality. And so I've just learned to cut them off and I don't do the what ifs. Uh, and it doesn't mean I'm, I'm uh, an idiot when I meet them. Uh, I, I'm still very pleasant. I'll sit beside them. We'll tell jokes. Uh, you know, we'll tell some of the same type of humor uh, before we may reminisce but I'm not going to allow them back in my inner circle because something's happened 
And I'm not willing to find out what that something is to be because to me, it doesn't matter. It's not important for me. Right. And I'll keep going. And if it is my state, my mistake, my intuition will, will teach me a lesson because if it's my mistake, I missed an, an, an intuitive signal. And one of the things that we have to be careful is that sometimes we think intuition teaches us a lesson by having us go through bad situations. But here's the thing. Intuition is never wrong. And so one of the guys, and I'll, I'll use a case study, which will really exemplify this. One of the people I've interviewed is uh, on my podcast series is Mark Metry. He has the Humans 2 podcast, one of the top 100 on Apple iTunes. And he talks a lot about social anxiety. And when he was, when we started our interview and we talked about intuition, he was saying intuition sometimes leads you down the wrong path. He developed social anxiety. He felt that he needed to lie again and again and again in high school, so much so that he lost who he was and he wanted to take his own life. And so I said, okay, Mark. And I was listening really intently. And I said, Mark, if you, if we actually rewind this podcast to when you started telling me that story, what you said is that intuition sometimes leads me down the wrong path. And right after you said, I knew I shouldn't have lied, but when you said you knew you, you shouldn't have lied, but that's intuition sneaking in and saying, Mark, you shouldn't have lied. And then you continue to ignore intuition and lie again and again and again. And so in, he missed that first intuitive signal saying, don't do this, buddy. And he continued because of ego, because of fitting in, he, he dashed those intuitive signals so much so that he didn't think it was, it was worth living anymore. And then we started talking about the signals that kind of brought him back to now educating people on social anxiety so that they don't go through the same thing. So that's how intuition works. Yeah, that's amazing. And I believe everyone experienced this thing like one way or the other. Like it's yeah. just like very situational and it happens. Everyone have to go through this. But yeah. I mean, when you're going to discover this, that these are matters and these are actually what's happening and how you can focus on it. Yeah, this is very science. Okay, I believe you now. It's not woo-wooing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you can have that woo-woo element. And if you believe it's voices from God, that's fine. You define it the way you want. Just because I have science doesn't mean you have to as well, uh, right? You define it the way you want. What I'm just trying to say is I'm shining a light on this subconscious thing that you're born with that has signals. And that's all you need to know. And, and all I'm saying is that just do your homework, get a piece of paper, figure out what your positive is, uh, what the decisions are that the right ones. How did it feel at that time? What were the, the wrong ones? How did it feel at that time? And with the wrong ones, figure out was that decision number four or decision number one? Do the homework to find out what that was. And I actually have a seven-day challenge, which is free, by the way, on my, my intuitionology.com website, where it takes you through a, a seven-day process in a very specific way to figure out what these inventory of signals are. Mm, that's interesting. I will put that in the link of the description so anyone can check it out. So thank you so much, Sunil. And where can they follow you? Where can they work with you? Like all these awesome stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you go to intuitionology.com and my podcast series links are there. I'm on Apple's, uh, sorry, iTunes, Spotify, Deezer, what have you. The seven day challenge link is there. They get a free copy of the book, e the ebook got, uh, if they want another copy uh, of the actual copy, they can always purchase it from Amazon or off the website. Uh, I'm on all the social channels, um, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. I'm on TikTok as well. Uh, I'm not dancing because if I dance, there's a strong negative signal that everybody's going to say, like, just say, shut that guy off. Right. <laughs> so I want to make sure that that doesn't happen. So I will not dance, although my kids are 
while they're saying that I should dance until they actually see me dance, then they're going to say, please don't dance that. And so, um, but yeah, connect with me there, send me a DM. Uh, I highly encourage you to take that seven day challenge uh, because it's a very specific process that you go through. Um, and I have two people actually that go through the seven day challenge with you. Um, and I actually measure your intuition. And the two people is one guy actually has sold his house in that seven day challenge. Uh, he went from the third day one, somebody was actually badgering him to sell his house at $20,000 under asking price. He would have said yes at that time, but intuition was saying, don't trust this person. And at the end of seven days, he actually sold it. He had a bidding war for $50,000 over asking. So that was a $70,000 decision. That's 10 grand a day. And the other person who was in that, uh, that also goes uh, in there with you, she was actually a witness to a murder. Uh, so not only was she a witness to a murder, she actually walked into the apartment after her boyfriend had murdered one of their friends in the bathtub. He closes the door behind her, locks it, puts a knife to her back and says, I'm already going away for one murder. Might as well make it two. You're next. And so her intuition had to really calm him down, calm herself down uh, to get through that situation. Uh, he chokes her, assaults her, uh, asks her to clean up the blood. And her intuition found an intuitive moment just a one moment, a fleeting moment to escape. And she says now, and she just runs, unlocks the door, runs 18 flights down uh, and uh, calls nine women. So obviously alive to tell the story, but she used the seven day challenge to really kind of figure out, okay, that it, that the place that I can go to relax is the gym. I can go back to the gym and that's where I, that's, she's identified that now. So when she goes to the gym, she really eases the PCSE depression and anxiety she's experiences. So the seven day challenge minimizes it, doesn't get rid of it. And she also learns how to trust people, which is huge because before she was, every time she stepped out, she was looking over her shoulder, like, am I next? Is somebody going to grab me? Uh, and so the seven day challenge really kind of calmed things down for her. So she's a huge fan of, the, of that challenge. So if, if people like John and Ashley can go in to solve a problem that they have in seven days, you can solve a problem in those seven days. Yeah. I mean, yeah, everyone just check that out. Um, it's going to be in the description below. Thank you so much for this enlightening conversation. Sunil. I really appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. Nutila. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I hope this episode inspires you to get unstuck wherever you are in your journey so that you can have your business that support your lifestyle. Get a show note at helpyougetunstuck.com today. Start implementing what you have learned. The results of your consistent effort and improvement are worth it because you deserve the freedom to enjoy your life. Speak to you next time and don't forget to get unstuck.